0: Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Mike Stafford, the Portable Pastor, coming to you with another teaching from God's Word from the Clover Blue Gray office. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day outside, and I want to bring you some more of God's Word today. So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 8. We'll be looking in verses 5 through 13. Now, last week, we read about a healing incident that Jesus had with a, a man who was suffering from leprosy. Remember, Jesus followed was followed by the crowds when he came off the mountain after he'd given the Sermon on the Mount, and he was uh, approached by this man. And Jesus was responsive to this leper because he had the right mindset. You see, the, the leper was humble. He called Jesus Lord like a servant would have called his master in those days. He was submissive to Christ because he said, if you will, He exhibited faith in Jesus because he said, you can make me clean. And Jesus recognized this attitude in the leper and he granted his request. Then we learn that Jesus was mindful of the law of Moses. He told that leper to go and take a bird and some cedar wood, some scarlet yarn and some hyssop and show himself to the priest as required by the law of Moses. Now, when we looked at that story last week, We also learn that we can see the similarities between the salvation of Christ and the religious cleansing ritual of leprosy. When we ask God for something, we learn that we must be of the right mindset. And when God answers our prayers, we are to publicly give him glory for doing so. You see, after God saves us, he has expectations of us. Now, we saw last week that this healing encounter with this uh, man suffering from leprosy was was more than just a healing encounter it was It was a story of Jesus responding to to worship to a man of faith. It was about the mindset and the expectations placed on people of faith and there was there was a lesson in that healing encounter today We're going to read about another healing encounter that was more than just simple. Okay, turn to Matthew eight five, and Jesus is going to going to heal again in this story. And and there's another lesson to be learned. Why why you're why you're going there? Let me just call attention to a, a pattern in all of these miracles of Jesus that we're going to look at. Begin to understand that when Jesus performed a miracle, when he did something extraordinary like like healing someone, there was always a reason other than just to perform a miracle, he did not perform miracles for just you know charity reasons he he could have, but but he didn't there were There was always a lesson to learn in every miracle of Jesus. There was always a motive there's always a reason other than just performing that miraculous um feat. In fact, all of his miracles that he performed were either for the glory of God or to prove that he was the Son of God. You see, he pointed to the Father, he made a point, he proved his dignity, he taught a lesson every time, every time he performed a miracle. When we begin to see this pattern, we realize that when our requests are not answered in the way we want them to be, it's not because Jesus is not listening. It's not because he doesn't care. It's because Jesus always has reasons for performing or not performing miracles. It's not about what we want. It it's about what's best for everyone involved. So the story we will see today is is no different. Now look at verses 5 through 13 with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy of you coming under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and he said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline to the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into utter darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. As always, let's look at the pops, you know, the points of the passage, and then let's make some application when we see, uh, when we when we get to the end, all right? So here's point of the passage number one. A Roman soldier called Jesus Lord. Now, you have to realize how unusual this was. The man in his position, which was a position of authority, he was over a hundred soldiers, in his position, would have been ruling and occupying a territory inhabited by people that that he didn't see as equals. Most centurions were promoted to that rank after fifteen to twenty years of service and service in war or or you know occupation away from their families in foreign places. This this were th- these things made these men hard. They were hardened men. They were rough men. They had to be heartless men. I read about one named Lysilius. He His nickname was Cedo Autoram, which means fetch me another, because he, he regularly broke his cane over a soldier's back. You see, in battle, centurions always found themselves on the front line. They were expected to be the most courageous, rallying the troops and, and getting them prepared for, for brutal fighting. And they had, they had the authority to execute anyone under their command that they thought was a coward. And so this centurion, this hardened, mean, angry man came up to Jesus. you got to catch this. He came up to Jesus, a, a ruled over homeless Jew, and he referred to him as Lord. That word Lord is the same word that the leopard used to refer to Jesus, kurios. Remember, that word means owner, the person in control, That the title that a servant would use when they refer to their master. You talk about humility, and coming to Jesus with the right mindset. This approach to Jesus was completely contrary to his his usual attitude. So he came to Jesus submissive. He came to him humble. That was very rare. The centurion called him Lord. second point of this passage is that an outsider had faith in Jesus. What did Jesus say in verse 10? Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. You see, Jesus came to his own. Remember John 1? We just read it on Christmas Day. He came into his own. His own did not receive him. Jesus came to the Jews first. In Matthew 15, Jesus was approached by a a Canaanite woman whose daughter was possessed by a demon. and, And she wanted her daughter healed. What did Jesus say to that woman? I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, he had full intentions of just ministering to the Jews. Now he later, he later uh, healed her daughter because of the mother's insistent—I mean, insistent—faith. But initially, he only wanted to work. He wanted to limit his work to the Jews. Jesus said, "Jesus said that because Israel was waiting for their their promised Messiah, Jesus thought I have to prove to them I'm I'm their Messiah." So he really wanted to focus. On the Jews, but he clearly, he clearly had intentions of reaching out to everyone. Now, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go to all the world. Remember that. Even then, even then, it took his disciples a while to realize that the message of salvation was for everyone. They should have known. I mean, Jesus reached out to outsiders in this passage and others all all over the all over the Gospels, but they still assumed it was only for them that he came. So the point is that so many people in Israel would reject him, and this centurion, this outsider, would not. An outsider had faith in Jesus. The third pop is this. Jesus shocked the chosen nation. In verse 11, this is what he said that totally just upended them. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. Oh, the Jews, they were such an exclusive people. They they thought they were the stuff. Only only Jews could belong to God. Only Jews would see the kingdom and reign with Christ. And up until that point, that was the teaching. But that was wrong. Jesus was changing this. This was just another reason for the religious Jews to hate Jesus. You see, foreigners eating with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God, that, that was crazy talk. And not only that, but Jews would be thrown out? They would not be included. Now, that was just an insult. Okay, so Jesus shocked the chosen nation. One final point of this passage is that belief in Jesus had a real effect. The centurion believed that Jesus could heal his servant. He professed that. He came with the right mindset. Jesus needed to teach another lesson to the Jews, and so he was he was um agreeable to this mindset. What did he say in verse 13? Go, let it be done for you as, as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Centurion didn't even make it home, and the servant was already healed. Jesus healed him from afar. He he was just willing to do so. He could have he could have said, just like he said to the leper, I will. Okay, you see, belief in Jesus is powerful. It's power enough to instill courage in us. It's powerful enough to promote humility. It's powerful enough to save. And yeah, it's, it's powerful enough to heal. Je- belief in Jesus had a real effect. Now, how does that translate to today? What does this have to do with us? Well, one, it, it should compel us to witness to everyone. I mean, we, we don't just rely on this passage for motivation to do this. The Great Commission compels us to do this too. Remember Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, we servants, we don't get to pick and choose times and places to carry out the Master's command. But we, don't, we don't get to do it. We don't even get to pick and choose the people with whom we're going to share our faith. Jesus tells us, That as we go through our lives, we are to tell people the good news of the gospel of salvation. And we might talk ourselves out of doing this when we see a, a rugged nature in someone's life. But we can't assume that someone will reject Christ. Don't ever assume that someone will reject Christ. You see, the disciples of Jesus would have never chosen to share their faith with that Roman soldier. They would have never done that. If Christ did not give the the sweeping command of the Great Commission, they wouldn't have gone outside of Israel. I'll tell you what, the next time you're at the beach and you see a, a member of a biker gang or you see some drunkard on the strip, don't assume they will never accept Christ. The Holy Spirit may already be working in their hearts. They might just be primed for salvation. Don't assume someone will reject Christ. This centurion who had every reason to accepted him and believed in him. So, witness to everyone, to everyone. The second application for us is to have a salvation conversation with people you think are saved. In this country, especially in the South, it, it's easy to confuse niceness with faith. Or simple moral living with true righteousness, or even a connection to a church with salvation, we think that because someone helped us in a time of need, or someone, someone's always at church, since someone's always at church, that that they're saved. Well, see, a lot of Jews assumed they were going to sit with their patriarchs in heaven too, but Jesus said they're going to be cast into they're going to be cast into outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, the people in that place will live out their existence in sorrow and in anger. Their, in fact, their anger against God will intensify. That's why there's gnashing of teeth. What an awful place of torment. Hell's no joke. Many people idiotically claim that they, they want to go to hell and live with their friends and party it up. But I'm going to tell you, hell is not a party scene. Fire, torment, weeping, gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound like too much fun, does it? So so don't assume that someone's going to heaven. Last fall, we learned that that many will say to God, we did all these things in your name, and then God's going to turn around and reject them because he doesn't know them. Remember that teaching? If you genuinely care about the spiritual destiny of someone, you're going to ask them to share their testimony with you. Now, I know that's difficult, and we might think that conversation will will just insult them if we ask them that, that question. You know, you say you're a Christian, but I just really would like to make sure. Share your testimony with me. We, we think that that would be a complete insult. Let me ask you what's worse, the insult or an eternity in hell. Now, please don't assume that anyone is saved if the Spirit leads you, have a salvation conversation with someone. The last application for us is to be assured that your faith is making a difference. I know that sometimes you think your words of warning and your words of encouragement are falling on deaf ears. They're just bouncing off the walls, but they're they're more effective than you realize. A lot of times when you're you're talking to someone about Christ or you're expressing your belief in biblical truth it's it's as if they were your kids just staring off into la la land while you're while you're trying to to advise them right but i want to i want to encourage you the truth is getting into their minds it is seeping into their minds when you share it and the holy spirit will bring it back up at just the right time you see, there's a difference between active and passive listening, right? In active listening, the, the listener is, is paying attention to the speaker's words and responding and soaking it all up. And on the other hand, in the case of passive listening, the, the listener only hears the speaker's statement. It doesn't respond to it. But notice this, even though they're not responding, they are still present. They're still hearing. Even if they seem to be ignoring you, they are hearing you. Don't assume that anyone is ignoring you. There, there is no, there is no more perfect example of this than in church. You know, when I'm preaching, some people are tuned in. They're soaking it up. They're, they're having, they're getting questions ready for me. And and one day, maybe we'll get to those. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know just sort of dig in the scriptures and learn things. But there's another group of people and they're yawning and they're looking at their watches and they're thinking about fried chicken. I know, I know. And you know what? You know what? I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. You know why? Because they're here and they're hearing the truth and they may not respond to it immediately, but they're hearing it and the Holy Spirit will bring that up again later. I've learned to stop assuming that everyone is ignoring me. It it, it would help if you came to the same conclusion, you know, when your kids stare off into space, like I was talking about, when you're talking to them. You just keep having those spiritual conversations. Keep giving and sharing your faith. They really do make a difference. As I wrap this up today, let me encourage you in in this way. God is still working in people. He is still working. Calling people to salvation. God still wants his followers to share his message. And and we are still responding to the draw of God. So don't stop sharing. You never know who will respond to salvation. Jesus's encounter with the centurion is more than just a simple healing story. It serves to motivate us that anyone can be saved. My question is, will you commit to that? Will you commit to that if you are a Christian? But maybe you are more like the centurion, you're hardened, you're hateful you're you're hedonistic, you know, but you realize that you need God, so you you deciding today you're going to come to him humbly in humility, you're coming and saying, "Lord, I need you, I need you. Will you save me, or maybe, maybe you're like the Israelites who assume that they're in. Because of their citizenship, you you think because you have membership or you you attend a church or because you do good works that that you're good enough? Well, those things are not enough. You must trust in Jesus today. You must admit to Him your sin. You must confess that you need Him to take care of that sin because there's nothing that you can do to overcome it. You must trust that His death on the cross was enough. To cover that sin. And then you must declare him Lord. You must live under his command. He is the master. Well, if you'd like to start a online conversation about any of those things, feel free to feel free to email me, Mike, at fbcclover.com. I love to start talking about those things with you. But until we meet back again next week, I hope you have a great week. I hope you hope you have a great week. If I can pray for you, if I can pray with you about anything, feel free to email me. Uh, at that same email address. Well, have a great week. And remember, if you're walking with God, He's very much pro-you. Be blessed. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed and remember, God is pro-you.